everyone, it's Leslie Ludi, host of the Set Apart Girl podcast, Biblical Encouragement for Women of All Ages. Today I'd like to talk about how to overcome some of the most common pitfalls in modern ministry. So if you are really desiring to reach other people with the truth and the hope of the gospel, if you're mentoring younger women, if you are in any kind of ministry or outreach type of situation, there are some trends that we see so often in modern ministry that can actually do more harm than good, and yet there is a biblical solution for each one of those things. And so I think if we're aware of the trends and the dangers of these trends, and we also know the biblical response to each of them, it makes our ministry so much more effective because really the only kind of impact that we can have on another person is when we're truly bringing them uncompromised truth. We're not bringing our own human wisdom or cultural bells and whistles to the table, but we're really lifting high the name of Jesus. That's what's going to really set them free and give them the hope that they need for eternity. So here are some of the the top five trends that I have seen over the past 15 or 20 years emerge in modern Christian ministry. I'm going to summarize them and then we'll go through each one and look at the biblical response to each of them. The first one, maybe you've seen this, especially if you've been involved in any kind of youth ministry, is the trend of being buddy-buddy with young people. You think uh, in terms of, well, if I can just have fun with this person and be their friend and throw the football with them if they're a guy and go get, you know, go to spas and chick flicks if they're a girl and just kind of hang out with them, then maybe they'll see something in my life that they like and maybe ask me about it someday. And while it's not wrong at all to develop a friendship with those that we hope to reach with the gospel, oftentimes the buddy-buddy relationship can be detrimental because we don't actually give them strong truth. We just feel like we should just have conversations with them and dialogue with them and not ever really give them that that really strong, uncompromised message of the gospel. And we can become very wishy-washy in a buddy-buddy relationship rather than confident in saying, I have an answer that you need and I want to share it with you. So friendship is not wrong, but when you have a buddy-buddy relationship without truly being a leader in their life, without truly leading them in a strong way to the truth and the hope of the gospel, it can do more harm than good. The second trend that I see often is bells and whistles. And what I mean by this is taking the the hype and the popular things of the world and trying to bring them into ministry. Eric and I spoke for years to youth groups and college age groups, and we struggled a lot with this concept because a lot of people who were in youth ministry or college ministry didn't want us to just come in and speak truth. They wanted to add bells and whistles because they didn't think that young people would actually listen to truth without those bells and whistles. So I remember one time we were going to give, I think, about a two-hour message on godly relationships. And the, the person in charge of this event for young people decided he wanted to put a 40-minute rock concert in the middle of our seminar. And so he said, you know, they're not going to stay unless they have something like a rock concert to keep them there. So we spoke for about an hour, and then we had to take a break for this rock band to come on stage. And it was loud. It was obnoxious. There were lights and smoke. And it was interesting because a lot of the young people just sort of wandered out during the rock concert. They'd seen all of that. They'd been to so many concerts, but they hadn't really 
heard anyone speak that that truth without the bells and whistles. So whenever we got back on stage after the rock concert, they came back in and they were glued to what we were saying. Now, this was not because we were just amazing communicators. It was simply because we were not trying to add the bells and whistles of the world. We were just lifting high the name of Jesus and they were hungry for that. And so often people have been trying to entertain them rather than giving them the truth that they needed to be set free. And one thing I want to say about especially if you're ministering to someone who's in the younger generation, they are in a battle every single day and the enemy is targeting them very strategically and they are around so much temptation, so much perversion, so much um, intense uh, spiritual warfare over their lives. And so when we just try to entertain uh, people who are in the midst of that kind of a battle, we do them a great disservice because what they really need are battle weapons to fight and be victorious against all that is coming against them. And that can only happen when we give them the gospel without compromise. The third trend that I often see is no conviction, just love. Especially in women's ministry, this is really popular, this idea that we shouldn't ever speak a message or or lead anyone to truth in a way that's going to make them feel guilty or ashamed or regretful of anything they've done in the past. We don't want them to feel conviction. We only just want them to feel loved. And I understand where this trend comes from because so many women today are dealing with uh, a lot of condemnation from the enemy. The enemy is coming into their lives, and maybe you've even experienced this in your own life where he's saying, you know, it's too late for you. You've made so many mistakes. It's hopeless. God could never love you. He could never give you a hope and a future. That's the voice of condemnation. And that is certainly a message that we need to um, reject in our lives and in other people's lives. And we need to equip the people we're ministering to to close their ears to that voice of condemnation because it's not based in truth at all. That's not what the gospel is. It's a message of condemnation. It's a message of hope. But there is a huge difference between conviction and condemnation. Conviction comes from the Holy spirit. And it does um, bring that sense of, of pain and a prick of conscience that says, I've been wrong. I've done wrong. I've, I've given way to sin. And yet it's attached with great hope. It's like God saying, I want to bring this sin to light in your life so that you can discover something even better. I have something so much more for you. And it has hope attached to it. It's not just you're hopeless and there's no hope for you. It's I'm bringing this to the surface because I do want to do something great in your life. And so when we leave out all conviction, when we fail to make sin really... um, really as repulsive as it is, and really allow people to feel that brokenness over their sin, then they're really not able to understand the amazing hope and joy and freedom that the gospel brings. The fourth trend that I often see is external rules versus inner transformation. If you've grown up in conservative circles, maybe in the homeschool community, this could be something that you might have seen where there's such an emphasis on how you look on the outside, how you do things on the outside, and we neglect the inside. We neglect the reality that unless Jesus Christ transforms us from the inside out, we will simply be just trying to polish the the outside of the cupper dish, as Jesus says, rather than the inside. We'll talk about that more in a few minutes. But so many Christians become in bondage to external rules instead of allowing their inner life to be transformed by Jesus Christ because there's a whole segment of Christianity that emphasizes those external rules. 
And then the fifth trend is conversation and dialogue and postmodern reasoning, which basically means nobody's right, nobody's wrong. We just all sit around and talk about our own opinions and our own feelings. And now this seems like a very uh, respectful way maybe to communicate with people. Say you're trying to talk to an unsaved person. It seems like, oh, that that would be a great way to get a foot in the door is just kind of listen to them and not really act like I have all the answers, but just kind of hear their opinion and then just throw my opinion into the mix. That's a very postmodern way of communicating. And yet, That's not the biblical way of delivering the gospel. It can't be this mushy, nobody's right, nobody's wrong, everything is relative. That's not what the gospel is. And if you set up your ministry that way, you really won't lead anyone to the truth. So these trends, if you follow them, lead to a very hollow, empty type of Christianity. And one of the the things that I think is so sad today is that studies are showing that there are scores of Christian young people leaving Christianity by the time they reach their sophomore year of college. It's getting close to 70 or 80 percent of young people who grew up in the church are leaving Christianity in college in those years of their life because they really never found something real. Maybe they grew up in a church where it emphasized rules, but not a life-changing transformation. Or maybe they grew up in a church that just entertained them and just made Christianity like one big social club. Either way, they didn't find the truth, the hope, the life of the gospel. Jesus says you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. But if we don't give them the opportunity to know the truth, it's never going to transform their lives. So let's take a quick look at some biblical responses to these common trends. If you've been tempted to fall for any one of these in your own outreach to others, here are some biblical solutions for you that you can begin to shift those patterns and give people not just what they want, but what they actually really need. The first one being buddy-buddy and just being kind of wishy-washy and just being their friend, but never really being a strong leader or influencer towards the gospel in their life. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11:1, follow me as I follow Christ. He was very confident in the fact that he had something to offer those that he was ministering to. He was humble in, in a different part of the New Testament. He says, I have not already attained or been made perfect. So he wasn't arrogant and proud proud about this, but he was also very confident in the fact that God had given him something and he wanted others to discover what he had. And he made no bones about that. And it says in 1 Corinthians one twenty one that it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Preaching is not popular today. It seems too abrasive. We think of just like getting in someone's face or beating them over the head with a Bible, but that's not what real preaching is. It's being strong and confident and saying, I have something that you need. It's not something that I came up with. It's something that Jesus has done in my life. I have this truth. It's changed my life and I want you to discover it too. And here's how you can find it. Luke 6.26 says, Woe to you when all men speak well of you, for so did their fathers to the false prophets. So when you are just everybody's friend, everybody loves you, you never challenge anyone, you never give anybody hardcore truth, people may speak well of you, but Jesus is saying that's actually not a good sign. When you really 
go to that place of leading people to truth and taking a strong stand for truth. Not everyone may like you at first. Some may never like you. But oftentimes, you will find that people are so hungry for you to call them to that higher standard. I know when Eric and I first started speaking, we heard that over and over and over again. Young people said to us, People have never held us to a higher standard. When we go to church, we just get a a watered-down message. We have youth pastors who just play a bunch of games with us, but nobody ever has lifted high that standard, and we've just been waiting for that all these years, which was really amazing to me because I thought young people wanted to just be entertained, and they just wanted a fluffy message, but actually they were hungry for something more. Amy Carmichael wrote, there is a sympathy that weakens and a sympathy that braces. And what she means by that is there's a way to show compassion and empathy and friendship to someone that weakens them because you never actually lead them to the truth. You just kind of, you know, hang out with them and make a few suggestions here and there. And then there's a sympathy that braces, meaning that's that strengthens someone spiritually. And that kind of sympathy, you can be someone's friend, you can be understanding, you can be a support to them, and you can also lead them to the truth that sets free by not being mushy and apologetic about it. The second trend was the bells and whistles trend. So bringing in all sorts of things from the world to try to entice people into the church. But really, what is going to draw people to the gospel? It's not when we imitate the world. They've got plenty of entertainment out there. They've got plenty of concerts they can go to. They've got plenty of reality TV shows they can watch out there. We don't need to be trying to compete with Hollywood to get people interested in Christianity. What's really going to draw them is when they see that we have something entirely different to live for, something that gives us a joy and a peace and a fulfillment that is so far beyond shallow worldly entertainment. Jesus said in John 12, 32, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men to me. So while it's not wrong to necessarily use artistic means or modern technology in our presentation of the gospel, be sure that you're not watering down the message of truth in doing that. And be sure that you're not using those bells and whistles as your primary draw card to get people interested in truth. It needs to be Jesus Christ and him crucified that draws them. And then the third trend was no conviction, just love. We're so afraid of ever giving anybody a message that would make them feel convicted because of that twisting that the enemy has brought of condemnation. But actually, the Bible is so clear that when God convicts us, when he rebukes us, when he refines us, it's an act of love on his part. It says in Revelations 3.19, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten, therefore be zealous and repent. And there are other scriptures that talk about how God disciplines us just as a father does the son in whom he delights. So remember the difference between conviction and condemnation. Conviction has hope. It's something that God does out of love for us and condemnation is hopelessness and it comes from the enemy. So as you are seeing those that you're ministering to be broken over their sin, don't try to shield them from that. Teach them the difference between conviction and condemnation. Teach them to embrace conviction and shut their ears to condemnation. Remember the story of the woman who washed Jesus' feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. She was completely broken over her sin, and yet she was overcome with gratitude and thankfulness and love for Jesus because he had given her a hope and a future. It's not just brokenness over our sin where he leaves us in that place. It's brokenness with hope, and that's the way he works in our hearts. The fourth trend was 
external rules versus inner transformation. So if you are one of those Christians who kind of gravitates towards rules as opposed to a relationship with Jesus Christ, or maybe that's the kind of environment that you grew up in, remember Jesus' words in Matthew 23, 26, when he's speaking to the Pharisees and he says, blind Pharisee, first cleanse the inside of the cup and dish that the outside of them may be clean also. That is a profound principle because when we focus on the inside, we focus on Jesus changing us from the inside out, purging sin out of our lives and bringing truth into our innermost parts, the natural byproduct is that the outside is going to be clean. We don't have to hammer a bunch of rules over people's head when they are transformed from the inside out by Christ and when they are cultivating their relationship with him every day and pleasing him and glorifying him and honoring him is the primary desire of their lives, then you're not going to have to constantly remind them, don't do this and do do that. Those are just going to be a natural byproduct. Those following those those patterns of righteousness will be a natural byproduct of a love relationship with Jesus Christ. So really point them to an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ, letting him purify them from the inside out, rather than just giving them a big list of rules that they need to follow. It's not wrong to talk about practicals and give, you know, ideas for how to live in a God-honoring way, but that can't be the essence of Christianity is don't do this and do that. And here's how you should dress. And here's what you should do in your free time. Those, those are really should be byproducts of a transformed heart and life. And then the fifth trend was conversation and dialogue in rather than preaching. So it's that postmodern idea. No one is wrong. No one is right. We just all kind of air our own opinions. It's this idea that says everyone's opinion is equally valid and we all need to be open-minded. And that has even crossed over into some Christians beginning to believe that other religions can lead you to Jesus Christ. You know, people have said, well, people can find Christ through, you know, Islam or through Buddhism. But God says in his word in Romans 3, 4, let God be true and every man a liar. And the Bible is clear that there is only one way to the Father, and that is through Jesus Christ. So as much as it might be trendy and seem like a good idea to just kind of sit around and talk with people in dialogue and treat everyone's opinion as valid, God has chosen the foolishness of preaching. He has chosen that uncompromised truth. We're not doing anyone any favors if we act like everyone's opinion is equally valid. If someone's opinion does not line up with the truth of God's word, that person's opinion is worthless, including our own. So let God be true and every man a liar. Bring everything to line up with scripture. And if it doesn't line up with scripture, throw it in the waste can. So a few final thoughts that I'd like to share with you. If you are in any kind of witnessing situation or ministry situation or, you know, talking to a coworker or a family member about the gospel, it's easy to get tripped up over people's unique issues and special situations, you know, thinking, well, this person has a really rough background or they've been through this unique problem or they have that unique challenge in their life and kind of feel like we have to overcomplicate what it means to share the gospel. I love studying the old revivals throughout history because one of the mottos, for instance, in the Salvation Army's revival was go for souls and go for the worst. They would go after people who were really at the end of their rope. They had been through abuse. They had been alcoholics. They had been in prostitution. They had just been uh, you know, in and out of prison. They, they were really at the end of their rope. And they were people that others would think, you know, it's too late for them. They, they've got all these unique needs in their life. We've got to come up with a special program for them. But they just came into those people 
and really gave them the hope and the power of the gospel. And time and time and time again, you would see these alcoholics and jailbirds and prostitutes be totally transformed by the power of God, by the truth of the gospel. They didn't have to go through 10 years of counseling. They didn't have to go through a special program. Really, the reality is that for each one of us, no matter how unique or special our situation or background may seem, The problem is always the same, sin. And the solution is always the same, Jesus Christ. So don't be fooled by this this situation of thinking, oh, this person's got too many issues. It's too complicated. Really, the hope of the gospel, the simplicity of Christ is what is going to set them free. So be sensitive to the spirit of God. He may give you specific ways in which you can communicate the gospel, but be sure that you're not compromising or watering down his truth because of the trendy ways of sharing the gospel that are all around us today. Go to the word of God. There is an answer for every difficult situation, for every person's unique need, for every situation that you may find yourself in. There is wisdom in the word of God, and there is a solution in the word of God. Because the gospel is just as powerful today as it has been all throughout history. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode. If you'd like more resources on how to share the gospel with people in your life and really live a set-apart life that can make an eternal impact on the world, I encourage you to visit setapartgirl.com. And if you're not already a subscriber to our Set Apart magazine, this is a resource that can really encourage you and refresh you in your walk with Christ with every issue. There are no ads, just really straightforward truth uh, for all the practical areas you may be facing in how to live a set-apart life in today's world. I pray that you have a blessed and Christ-centered week.